Hey, and welcome to Lyle's Trials. This time we're going to be talking about sleep. And the sleep thing was, I think, came around to me really because it's part of the deal. You know, when, when we sleep, we are recovering and that's when that's what training is about. It's it's about recovery. And of course, you know, I, I talked a little bit about, you know, the detrimental effects of some of this stuff. I've, I've talked about lowering inflammation through diet. Um, I've talked about running at a heart rate that's lower, that produces less lactic acid, that produces hopefully less muscle damage and less inflammation responses. So next thing is, is thinking about training is sleep. And that's, I think a lot like, I think diet sleep is, is a bit of a, of an afterthought, maybe not for everybody. And and I probably think about it a little more than some, because my mom actually is a, is a trained sleep therapist. So she runs a, a sleep lab, uh, up in Springfield, Illinois for a hospital. She's been doing that for, I don't know, a couple of decades now or somewhere in that ballpark. So she's very steeped in this information. And of course, as a, as an athlete that does events that are, you know, go through the night and and things like that, she's, she's always, uh, quick to be a mom and let me know, you know, what makes you know, that it is detrimental to me and that it is bad and that I should avoid, you know, doing that on a, on a consistent basis. But the other side of it is, is that sleep is, is a tool. And, and if we're, you know, really thinking about making the best that we can out of running and the performance that we're doing and getting the most amount of, out of, out of the training that we put in, it can't just be, I ran seven miles today and I did 10 miles in a hill workout yesterday and I did 20 miles and, and a bunch of vert, you know, on, on Saturday, those things are all great, right? But for us to really soak in that, that, that effort, you've got to, you've got to recover from it. Your muscles have to repair. Again, it's, it's that same idea of, of the training effect where you go out and you do a hard workout and you want to make sure that you're recovered before you do another hard workout. Um, because at some point you eventually get into debt and that your body is incapable of repairing the damage. Cause it, I, I kind of think of it like a backlog, like, well, we got all this other stuff to take care of. Uh, we got to knock all that down first and then we'll get to these other things. And then, you know, those, those day-to-day stressors come in of whatever, you know, life and, now all of a sudden there's there's nothing left to dedicate to the recovery and you get an injury. Um, that's that's just sort of how these things go. So sleep is is a huge part of this, and uh, that's really what I want to dive into today. So why sleep? You know what 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 are the what are the things? Well, one is is that we, I think as a culture, sort of thrive or or love this idea of like. I burned the midnight oil. I did this. I did that. I got up early, and all those things are fine, you know. In in I guess in moderation, but the end result is is that this idea of of like not sleeping, working a bunch, you know, training late at night, and then getting up early in the morning and then doing it again are um, not as beneficial as what it would be to sleep. And and there's actually a, a fair amount of studies out there um, that that tell you quite differently. Um, and that in, in some cases, uh, they show that at least eight hours of sleep a night can improve a lot of your benefits or a lot of your athletic performances by up to 10%. So you start thinking about what 
10% is, um, that's a fairly, that's a fairly good number, right? Give yourself a 10% faster mile time. That's significant, you know? And, and so you start thinking about those sort of things and, and, you know, what that means to recover. Now it's easier said than done. Um, we live in a, again, a culture that sort of, I don't know, praises the idea of like working all night long and getting up early. And, and, and then we also have this other side of like, for me, for example, I've had a sick toddler this week and she doesn't sleep as good as, as she normally does. So instead of, you know, being able to put her down at eight 30 and kind of relax for a little bit, you know, do some, you know, little things around the house, we've kind of had to keep a hold of her the whole time because she's clingy and, and not feeling good. And then she's coughing during the night and, of course, paying attention to that stuff. So those are sort of things that, that disrupt sleep already, you know, on, on top of thinking about stress and then thinking about work, thinking about life things, thinking about the argument that you, you know, had with a friend or a post you saw online that really made you mad or whatever the thing is. And then we compound on top of that by using these screens that we have, right? We have this phone um, and we want to look at it. We're going to look at it right all the way up until we go to bed. And there's a, there's a side effect to that. You know, it creates this, this blue light, this blue light hits your eyes. It basically tells your body like, Hey, it's time to wake up. You know, that's the, that's, that's how our, our clocks, our internal body clocks work, our, our circadian rhythms. They see the sun come up, your body is told to wake up, right? That's why there's, you can buy a clock that sort of simulates that, especially here in the Pacific Northwest when it's really dark in the mornings and in the wintertime and you're, you're trying to get up. There's clocks that sort of simulate, you know, the sun glowing uh, from a dim to a bright. And there's a reason for that. So when you pop that light right into your eyes, you're telling your body like, time to stay awake. And sure, sometimes you can, you know, fall asleep with, with the device in your hand, but it's not the ideal way to do things. We're, we're creating a chemical response by watching television, by having these devices in our hands, by like being connected. And then there's just all the stuff that sort of goes along with that too. Like, oh, okay, I'm going to bed. Oop, I got an Instagram notification. I, I'm going to go look at that real quick. Um, and that's a hard thing for me to do too. And I wish I could sit here and say that as part of my health change here that I've eliminated my, my phone in the bedroom and I haven't. And, and that's, uh, it's definitely on my priority list, but you know, I, it's like anything else. I make an excuse of, of, I can go through a couple of work emails at night. I can hit them up first thing in the morning and see if there's anything to do. The end result is nothing's really that important. Um, we know that stress and, and inflammation and all those things are, are detrimental to health. And by, by, not getting proper amounts of sleep, what we're doing is, is we're, we're pushing that farther out and we're creating more problems. And we're just, we're disturbing what should be a peaceful time to relax and sort of unwind from the day. Uh, and we're basically keeping it going right up until the second that we, uh, the second that we turn off the device. So as I was Mentioning to uh, to my mom about um, this idea of, of of covering sleep, and again, I think it's something that we all know. What I wanted was some, I don't know, some statistics that I thought, okay, these are you know something people can uh, can hang their hat on. So let let's start just by um, I grabbed this from the uh, sleep care professionals, like 
website. <laughs> this is what my again what my mom who uh, who works in the uh, in this field uh, sent to me, and, and she's talked about athletic performance and how that happens and all those sort of things, um, or how how sleep can can help with that. So a couple that I thought were were really interesting were um, there was a study by Stanford University and. These individuals uh, increase their sleep time to 10 hours a night. Now, I haven't slept 10 hours a night in maybe since college. I don't know. It's it's been a long time. Let's just say it's it's been a while um, since I've done that. However, um, this showed that basketball. They did a study on basketball teams, and these basketball teams increased over a, over a course of five to seven weeks were able to increase their free throw percentages by 9% by doing 10 hours of sleep a night. Now, again, 10 hours of sleep is silly. There's no way I can get 10 hours of sleep uh, a night. I just, I just can't. I just don't have any way of, 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 of fitting that, uh, fitting that in, or I don't even think I could do it if I wanted to. However, there's, there's benefit to be gained there. Um, there was also one that found that the same, um, a study of the Stanford tennis team, women's tennis team that did 10 hours of sleep per night over a five week period resulted in a 40 per 42% boost in hitting accuracy. So 10 hours is a, is a pretty magic number here, though I've seen eight as well. Um, and you know, I, I think it's probably important to just get as much as you can, um, but the studies just sort of keep coming up, right? So there's an NFL study that found that um, people that that got good sleep had a 55% chance, better chance of making the team. So they took an entire aggregate of everybody. They said, how do you feel? Do you feel like you sleep enough? No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. Right? I mean, and, and the people that felt like they got enough sleep, which you're going to feel that from... I'm not tired. Um, you know, I don't have fatigue going on. Those things help improve the chances of uh, of making a team. Um, and then there's another one that is around NFL, and it has to do with body clock. And the body clock one is kind of interesting because it's it's part sleep, but it's also um, it also just shows that rest in general and how time affects the different sort of things that we do. And it's West Coast teams playing Monday night football. And West Coast teams that play Monday night football have a distinctive advantage over the course of history in the NFL games. And that's because they are at prime time playing, right? So they are, let's say the game starts at 7 o'clock at night uh, central time. For the West Coast players, they're at 5 p.m. And for the East Coast teams, right, that would be, if that game is at at uh, at seven, that's a ten o'clock at night game for them, which is generally the time that you wind down. So there's all kinds of really interesting information out here that shows that there's a there's a giant benefit to timing and sleep and performance and how that all plays into it. The one that I found to be the most um, I think appealing or the most impactful to me. Um, was there was uh, a study that showed that 90% of overtraining issues were caused by sleep deprivation. And if I, I think if I really concentrate on this kind of stuff and I sort of think back about life and history and training patterns along with eating patterns, which I'll talk about food here in a second and how that all relates. But when I think back about when were the times that I was the least rested, um, it was those times where I was tr- trying to 
maybe do too much. Early in the, I was early in my my ultra running career. Uh, I was trying to jam a bunch of miles in, and if I couldn't, you know, do it when I needed to, I'd run at nighttime at nine or ten, which would then cause me to not be able to go to sleep on time. And then I'd be like, okay, but I gotta get up and get seven or eight or nine miles tomorrow morning. And then I'd get up early and I'd do that. And then before I knew it, I was sick and injured, right? I had stress fractures, I had shin splints, I had IT band problems, I had all kinds of stuff. And then as I've moved towards these better sleeping habits and better food habits uh, and just kind of better control of things, those things have minimized. Now, you can also equate that to the fact that that I've trained more, I have kind of more base miles on my legs and my body and those sort of things are, are more prepared for for that, but I'm also taking care of myself in a different way uh, than I was before. So where does the food thing play into this? Um, well, I guess where I'll start is, is to say that, you know, I think we have to recognize that uh, being any type of athlete, triathlete, you know, runner, cyclist, uh, crossfitter, whatever the thing is, is that it's a it's a part of the thing. And if that's what you really love and enjoy, then you've got to kind of step back and recognize that it's not just that activity that is the that is the thing that you have to concentrate on to be your best at that activity. And and that's really what I've done forever. And part of it was because of youth um, and decent genetics that allowed me to be able to do whatever I want. And and I, I still think I'm at that point. Um, now, have I seen some positive physical changes throughout this latest training regimen? I have, um, for sure. And and have I seen any negatives? Not yet. Uh, and maybe I won't. Maybe it, maybe it will just be what it is and it'll just kind of stay on this path and, and, you know, I'll be high fat, low carb and, and I'll do that for forever and, and, you know, my running results stay roughly the same, but there's some general life improvements that, that I like and I feel like it's a diet that aligns well to, to my lifestyle. That, that's fine too, right? That's, that's not the worst of it. Um, but what I, where I want to go with this is this idea that, that you got to be bigger than just the sport that you're participating in. Me just running seven miles a day or whatever that number is, you know, plus long weekends, blah, blah, blah. Those, those are part of it, but for me to get the most out of it, uh, I have to rest and I have to recover and I need to think about the food and I need to think about the sleep and the mobility and the stretching and all these other things that, that, that go along with it. So where does food fit into this? Well, with this new diet, I'm in a way better spot because I don't have these insulin spikes anymore. So I'm not eating dessert at night. Um, I'm not eating things that cause my blood levels, sugar levels to spike, which then makes it harder to go to sleep. So I'm naturally already ahead of the curve of where I used to be just by avoiding sugary stuff throughout my day. I don't have that sort of ups and downs and ups and downs where I'm trying to like, you know, shove different foods in my face to, to, um, counteract that, that feeling of, of, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon where I, where I have a dip. I don't have that anymore, so I'm I, I, I'm not as compelled to eat some sort of sugary snack or a bar or, or whatever the thing is. I don't have that, so that's 
that's that's a positive. So and then as the day flows on and it gets to nighttime, it's easier for me to uh, to go to sleep. And then from there, now that I can sleep better, I should be recovering better. Now there's habits that I need to to curtail, and one of those is of course the phone thing that I mentioned already, and that's getting that out and. Um, I'm going to do it. That's all there is to it. I'm going to, I'm going to charge it away from my nightstand, uh, and be done with it, you know, and, and that's, and that's just what it's, what it's going to be. Cause it's, it's for the benefit of me. So I can kind of like on the, the episode where I talked about the endurance athletes that had heart issues comparative to sedentary people, there's a health risk in poor sleep because that's our recovery time. That is our, um, that is our time for our body to repair and reset. And if we don't let that happen, we continue down this stress level um, and stress from a mental, stress from a physical. We don't get the repairs that we need. And then we end up eventually sick or, as the one study showed, uh, overuse injuries stemming from that because that's our, that's our, our repair time. So from, from that standpoint, I feel like I am repairing better and I am, I am doing better. Um, sleep is something that I've got to concentrate on more. And the food thing is really helping because it's, it's not as, um, again, I'm not as spiked and those sort of things. And then the foods that I am taking in, I'm really kind of paying attention to what, what sort of gets me revved up at night. And I've found that honey is not good for me at nighttime. If I have honey, I won't go to sleep. Why? Couldn't tell you. Um, I've seen some other folks online that have kind of reported the same thing. Uh, I'm not allergic to bee stings, but I have a reaction from them. Things like Burt's Bees um, chapstick, like burns my lips, has a weird feeling to it. So I have some sort of negative reaction to uh, what most people look at as a calming agent, which is you know putting honey in your tea. That doesn't work for me. Things like garlic. Um, things like onions, specifically kind of more of the raw, less cooked down versions of those give me really bad indigestion and I can't sleep. So now I've found another thing through this diet and this testing that before I kind of didn't recognize as the thing. So end result is, is that as you think about, I'm a athlete or maybe you're just trying to be a better person in general. When you start putting this puzzle together, you have to recognize that it's, that it's more than just the thing, right? It's for me, it's more than just running. Running's the centerpiece of, of what I'm trying to get better at, but to get better at that, I have to, I had to get better at sleeping and I had to get better at my diet and I had to get better at, you know, mobility and some of these other things and they're all playing together. So that kind of wraps this one up. I'm going to throw some links to these studies, um, that you can dig into more. So the Stanford study about the the women's tennis team and the basketball teams, those are going to go into far more detail than, than I have time for. But I think it's really interesting, and, and I guess I would challenge um, the, the listeners that I have out there to, to think about what your sleep habits are and what you can do to make them better. So easy one is turn on the blue light filter on your phone. That at least cuts down that, that blue light that shoots into your eyes that tells your body to wake up. Uh, most iPhones and Android phones have it, um, and it kind of turns your phone yellow. Uh, turn that on, especially if you're going to use your phone in bed, make your room as dark as possible. Um, that means cut out lights, turn your, you know, turn your clocks away from you. Don't have windows cracked. Uh, because again, as soon as that light starts to pop up, 
that's a that's an evolutionary response for you to wake up and you know go do the business that you need to do. And right now, Pacific Northwest, the sun comes up at six o'clock in the morning, so you may not want to be up at six o'clock. So the lower you keep those blinds, the longer you're going to stay asleep. The longer you stay asleep, the closer you get to ten hours, and then your free throw percentage increases. So there you go. All right. So thanks for listening. Uh, as always, questions, comments are welcome. Instagram and and Twitter at Travis Lyles, and of course on my my blog at uh, Lyles Trials, where I will have uh, all the re, all the uh, all the links from the studies that I referenced today popped on there. So thanks for watching, and uh, go take a nap. <laughs>